Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from Metsmerized. Back with me tonight is uh, my friend Jacob Resnick, also from Metsmerized and Metsminers. Jacob, how's it going, my friend? Doing well. Glad to be back. A lot of crazy stuff has happened since I was last on the show. Um, So excited to, uh, to get back into it. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll start off right right from the top. Uh, the Mets officially named uh, Luis Rojas their manager on Thursday evening. I guess reports were out a few days ago, but uh, it's now official. The uh, press conference will be Friday at 3 p.m. Uh, Jacob, I think we're all in agreement here that uh, the Mets made the right choice. And do you think Rojas is ready for the for the job? Uh, excuse me for the gig. Oh, absolutely. I think. Originally, um, and we might have to go back, rewind the tape to what we said in, uh, you know, early October before Beltron was officially hired. I, I feel like we both expressed, you know, our support of, of Rojas if that was the direction that they were, were to go in. Um, obviously he was taken out of consideration for the, uh, for the gig the first time around. Um, the reports that they, the team thought he wasn't ready to take the job, I feel like that might have been blown out of proportion a little bit. I don't, I don't think there was any, ever any reputable reporting. It was just kind of like tossed out there and, and maybe spread a little, uh, more widely than, uh, it should have been. Um, I think they originally had wanted to, excite the fan base. That was important because everyone had really kind of turned on Mickey Calloway um, after his two seasons in New York. And I feel like with the the roster and the potential of the roster, um, it was important to, I guess, whether that was uh, the right thing to do or not. I, I think they, they, they wanted to rile up the fan base and they certainly did that with Carlos Beltran. In addition to, you know, I believe Beltran was, the right hire in the first place, but uh, it also boosted the morale of, of the majority of the fan base. Um, now, and considering how close to the start of spring training, um, they needed to find a new manager. Um, you know, they weren't going to ever, um, you know, reach out to someone like a Dusty Baker or a whoever um, that, has no real connection to the organization, doesn't really know uh, uh, the front office, uh, has to get to know the players in, uh, you know, less than a month. Uh, Everything about the organization, the way the the logistics work uh, in in New York. Um, So it it really made a lot of sense for them to go in in Luis Rojas' direction. And I'm, I'm happy for him. He's been a part of the organization for, uh, over a decade, um, you know, you talk about uh, players that come up through the minor leagues and, and spend a long time uh, grinding it out. He's uh, the coach version of that, uh, you know, paid his dues at, at various levels, started in the Gulf Coast League, moved his way up, uh, managed for, for a couple of years in Binghamton before getting promoted to the major league staff. So um, definitely a feel-good story. And uh, more than that, too, you know, something that I think Mets fans sh- should be excited about um, because he's obviously highly regarded, not just within the organization, but uh, in the game as a whole. 
Oh, for sure. And I think that, um, I guess, scratching and clawing to make his way to this point, uh, I think that's going to command the respect of his players. And a lot of these, a lot of this roster already has experience with him. Uh, you know, even before he was hired, uh, you saw some glowing reviews from guys like Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo, uh, Dominic Smith. Um, and even after the fact, I know uh, Ryan at Metsmerized put out a nice article today uh, detailing all the, I guess, current Mets, Mets minor leaguers who just have nothing but great things to say about Luis Rojas and the way he goes about his business. I think it's going to be, um, of course, you know, looking at it now with the glass half full, you know, this seemed like the logical next step. And um, I agree with you 100%. I don't think that the Bakers and the Showalters and the, as much as I like John Gibbons, um, it just wasn't the direction to go, just to echo what you were saying. The, the Just being familiar with the roster with such little time to get acclimated or to even just get your bearings. I mean, pitchers and catchers report in under three weeks. It's, it's you know, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. If Van Wagenen wants to go out and continue his offseason, which there's probably a couple of holes that uh, this team could fill, whether they're going to or whether uh, his statement from the other day is true, that they're comfortable with where they're at. You know, we'll see. He also mentioned that they're always looking for new players. So uh, it felt like Brody Van Leverage, but we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, as far as I mean, if Hensley Mullins stays here, that's the ideal bench coach for Rojas, right? I believe so. Um, you know, I think he's obviously highly regarded from his time in San Francisco. Um, and, you know, I think – Having having him next to him will will certainly ease the transition. Oh, for sure. And uh, I guess you have I get more more familiar out. I can't say I can't get it out. Familiarity with uh, with the roster with Tony DiFrancesco on, uh, at first base. Um, this feels like it's going to be, or it feels like it could be a seamless transition. Yeah, and you know when I look at the role of a manager to me, especially at the major league level, um, the most important uh, role of a major league manager is to command the respect of his players uh, and, and control the clubhouse. And that that's something that uh, pretty clearly got away from Mickey Calloway towards the end of his uh, tenure with the Mets. Uh, you know, no players really spoke out against him, uh, but you could tell that things seemed to be, uh, you know, spiraling out of control from his perspective. Um, but to, about, to, I think I, I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, to his credit, yeah, after ahead. that that lost weekend in Miami, I think it was in May. Um, that spiral you were talking about. I mean, that was in full force, and it looks like he did win them back for a certain amount of time, especially when they were playing well in the summer. And that's all to his credit. But uh, yeah. It, it seems like Mickey may have just worn out his welcome, but I didn't mean to cut you off, but I got to give Callaway a little bit of credit. He, he did some, some good things while he was here. Yeah. I, I mean, I, there were times where I thought Mickey Callaway was getting too much blame and then uh, times where I thought he was getting too much credit. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I sidetracked you. No, I no, sidetracked you. No, I'm no, sorry. No. All good, but just wrapping up that point on Rojas, it's important to have the respect of the players. He obviously has the respect of the homegrown uh, players that he managed throughout the minor leagues, 
Um, and good point made by Anthony Decomo of MLB.com when he was on one of the uh, the S&Y shows. I believe it was Hot Stove last uh, Wednesday night. Um, he said Robinson Cano thinks very highly of Luis Rojas. And by the transitive property, uh, a lot of players respect Robinson Cano. So they're going to, uh, you know, if Cano respects Rojas, these guys that are following Robinson Cano's lead, in that clubhouse are going to respect him as well. Um, so I think they're only set up for uh, a good situation right now. Um, if it gets out of control at any point, I don't think that's going to be uh, – or I can't envision it being Rojas is doing. Now, a guy like Rojas who has such an intimate knowledge of the, the entire system. I mean, he's been here forever. He has – you know, he's been with the major league club for a season now, but, you know, presumably he still keeps tabs on the entire organization. Um, now, if, you know, if things go terribly wrong, which, you know, at times they do in here and every other baseball city in America, um, if injuries ravage his team, do you feel that Rojas's presence and knowledge of what's coming through the system and what might be more ready than others or who might fit the specific need they have. You think that's an advantage or I mean, I guess it it is an advantage, but do you feel that that intimate knowledge with the system is, it's going to play to his advantage as far as if things do go awry? Yeah. And I, I think on a more general level, just experience working with young players um, yeah. is crucial. So uh, if, you know, player X gets injured, then player Y needs to come up. He knows the guy from working with him in the minor leagues or whatever, but he's he's had experience uh, developing young guys and, and working with them in their first few years of pro ball. Um, so he, he knows what it's like to to, uh, to handle the, the, the more inexperienced players. So yeah. Uh, and he, if anything, it'll be more challenging for him to work with the uh, the more experienced players. But um, you know, like I said, with with Cano and him already having a good relationship, I really don't see that being an issue. Yeah, I think you know, with a guy like I'm just pulling this out of a hat, maybe a guy like Peterson, who Rojas knows and he's worked with, presumably. Um, you have to wonder if you know. Oh, we, you know, we'll bring him up for this Washington series. I think he'll face well against you know so and so. I think he can really use that to his advantage, to his advantage. And it's I guess it's kind of rare that you see the the minor league manager be promoted, except in like emergency emergency situations. But this situation feels like it's a it feels like it's a fit. It feels like it's streamlining the entire effort, and uh, I'm excited for it. Um, speaking of being excited for the future, uh, Jacob. Two Mets prospects were named on Baseball America's top 100 prospects this week. Um, you care to share your thoughts on them? Uh, maybe anyone who was left off the list. Uh, I'm curious to hear where you stand on what on what went down. Yeah, well, you know, everyone looks forward to the the big universal prospect lists that come out every uh, you know in the off season. Looking forward to the the upcoming year, um, Baseball America is obviously one of the um, top publications that uh, everyone looks to uh, in, in terms of their, their prospect, getting their prospect fixed. Um, so they released their top 100 um, 
this this week. Ronnie Mauricio is a back to back. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio came in at 66, and catcher Francisco Alvarez came in um, at 67. So cool to see those guys right next to each other. Um, you know, we've we've talked about these guys in the past and just the, the tantalizing potential um, between the two of them. Um, obviously, it's nice to see Mauricio start to get the national recognition. And Alvarez as well. I mean, a year ago, he was highly thought of, but he had yet to, to play in a professional game. So um, he burst onto the scene and, and is obviously getting the recognition now. Um, certainly notable that Andres Jimenez was left off. Uh, he came in at number 30 a year ago and has now fallen off the list, which I, you know, obviously he's lost a bit of his prospect luster, but, um, you know, falling off the list completely after being a top 30 guy is, is pretty crazy to me. And, and I certainly don't think he should, uh, you know, be completely banished from the top 100. Um, obviously he had injuries and underperformance, but you know, if the underperformance had to do with the injuries, then, uh, you can't really fault a guy, uh, especially at 20 years old, uh, struggling in, in, in double A and, and still performing at, at league average at worst. So, um, you know, Mauricio and Alvarez were the two big guys. Jimenez is, is close behind. And then, um, you know, you obviously you have the, the Beatty and the Beatties and the Allens and the, the Vientos, um, uh, who, who presumably are, are not too far behind. So we're, we're starting to, uh, crawl out of the, the dark ages of, of Mets prospect, um, of the last few years. Um, one thing that I noticed, Simeon Woods Richardson, who the Mets sent to Toronto in the Marcus Stroman deal last summer, uh, he came in at number 61 ahead of Maurizio and Alvarez. Uh, you know, this isn't a guy who was rated above the, above Maurizio when he was in the Mets system, was he? Uh, not at this time last year, certainly not. Uh, I, you know, I do think, um, you know, what, was Richardson did this past year, both in the Mets system and and the uh, the Blue Jays system, was was pretty impressive. He was 18 for all of it and playing against guys who were you know one or two years out of uh, college. So um, yeah, I guess that's that's the point I was I was trying to I was trying to make there was that like you know he he really had an impressive season last year, and uh, at least these initial rankings certainly reflect that. Yeah, I mean, he, he, uh, he really impressed last year. And, uh, you know, considering Marcus Stroman is, is only going to guarantee to be around for one more season and, uh, Woods Richardson has an entire career ahead of him, I think, uh, that might be one the Mets, uh, regret letting get away. And, um, just real quick, he's not on the list and he's not, I guess he lost his prospect status last year. Um, Anthony Kay, I, I believe he's, slated to start the season with the Blue Jays. Do you have uh, a decent knowledge of his game? Do you think he's ready for the show? Yeah, I I don't think he is no longer a qualifier. Um, He only made three starts in September, so he's he's definitely still prospect eligible. Um, Yeah, I I, I mean, I was always the low man on K. Um, Certainly enjoyed watching him pitch and, and thought he was a fine pitcher. I just didn't really see him as, as um, you know, more than a back-end starter or, um, you know, a middle relief type of guy going forward. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how his career unfolded. He had kind of a, 
uh, an up and down introduction to pro ball, but only 14 innings. So, um, it, you know, the Blue Jays are, are turning to their young guys anyway. So he should get a, get a fair opportunity with them in, in 2020. Oh, for sure. And that's kind of why I asked. I knew that, yeah, I guess you were, uh, you weren't so bullish on him when he was in the system. I was, uh, was wondering what, how, what you were thinking when he's about to get thrust into the, uh, into the spotlight down there. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, no, no disrespect to him. It's oh, of just, course, uh, of course. It's honest, yeah. yeah honest I, analysis. You know, I thought the, 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 he, people kind of overreacted to his, his stats that he posted in double A. Um, I thought David Peterson was posting um, just as good peripherals at, at a, a full year younger. So um, to each their own, and I'm certainly wishing Anthony the best. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Do you think Vientos is primed for another uh, another strong season? I really do. Um, considering the numbers at his age and the raw power, um, his gloves, um, improvements as the season went on last year. And the big thing, and I, I mentioned this uh, on Twitter a few weeks ago, uh, Columbia is one of the worst hitters parks in, in baseball, in minor league baseball. He's just absolutely cavernous uh, in the outfield. And um, his his road power numbers were, were really good. Um, so once he, he gets to St. Lucie, presumably in uh, in the upcoming, I am uh, expecting his, his, you know, counting numbers like home runs and doubles to really take off. Um, any expectations for Josh Wolf? This is a guy who really caught my eye. I've kind of been digging around a bit, and um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued, man. I can't wait to see him. Um, can you tell me anything you're hearing on him? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the the more unknown of everyone right now yeah. and within the, the top ten just because all he – Showed us in his pro debut was uh, you know a short stint in the Gulf Coast League. Uh, mm. you know, he was there. He was there with Matt Allen for for most, uh, the season, but then Allen got the the promotion to Brooklyn, so he was kind of thrust onto a a bigger spotlight. And then uh, Wolf wasn't. Uh, but the the numbers were you know you know I don't even want to talk about numbers for Gulf Coast League eighteen year old pitchers. Hey, twelve twelve uh, it, strike. It'll be a, yeah, I was, yeah, I, I was going to say 12 strikeouts in eight innings. That's not too shabby, but. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, but, you know, you have guys that, uh, that will be their highest level of professional baseball playing in the Gulf Coast League. So I don't, don't want to get too ahead of my, uh, <laughs> but we'll, no, we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see, uh, where they, they start him. I think, uh, Simeon was Richardson a year ago was kind of in the same position. He had a really good spring training um, on the minor league side, and that kind of uh, made the organization push him up to uh, to full season ball and uh, more than held the zones. Um, I guess Wolf is kind of in the same position. Um, he's obviously at such a young age. Um, but, yeah, he's just kind of a wait-and-see guy. Obviously, you know, expectations are, are pretty high. As- I, I would have to say it's David Peterson, but um, who, who's a guy, I guess, who could be – the next player to make an impact at the major league level uh, of this current crop of guys who are either closer or, you know, darn getting, getting real close to it. Yeah. Definitely Peters. Um, going to be, uh, I mean, he's going to be the first pitcher of the, the top, uh, the top prospects in the organization to reach triple a, 
um, and he'll presumably be the first one to make the majors. Um, you know, he's not he's not really a high upside guy. He's not um, going to be a future number two starter or, or whatnot. But um, you need those guys who are going to give you, you know, five or six solid innings every fifth day. And, and I really think that's what Peterson could be if everything um, uh, comes together for him. He keeps the ball on the ground. He uh, has a very good slider. Um, and he's a, a very physical left-hander. So even though he doesn't throw that hard, he's not a sexy prospect per se. Um, I, you know, I, I'm all for uh, what he can become. Um, lower down, if Thomas Sapucky, uh is 100% healthy and, and um, kind of gets back to push, pitching on a full schedule in 2020, uh, perhaps we see him in, in the second half of the season now on the 40-man roster, so he has that leg up on the other guys. Um, so those two guys are the ones I'm watching closely. Um, Andres Jimenez probably needs kind of like a full reset in 2020. I, I presume he'll start uh, in Syracuse, um, but he's not kind of the guy that they're going to be pushing to to make his major league debut. And, and obviously there's a, a glut in the middle infield as is. So, yeah, Peterson Tepucky, um, I mean, there's the interesting, you know, top 30 relief guys like Matt Blackham, Riley Gillum, um, Adonis Uceta. So no one that is, is really primed to make a, a Pete Alonso type impact in, in 2020, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> you know, there, there's he, nothing wrong with getting the depth guys to the majors. He, he said Pete, Pete set the bar pretty high, didn't he? Pretty, rookie, pretty high. <laughs> the next rookie who comes up, you know, it's 52 home runs or bust. Yeah, pretty much. But I guess the the way the Mets bench is shaping up, I guess we got some news this week that Yoena Cespedes is, well, we saw it with our own eyes. He's moving around. He's looking healthy. Uh, that, well, that's a loosely used healthy, but he looks fit. Um, he certainly looks like he's been off his feet for 18 months, but a couple of weeks in spring training should take care of that. Um, whether he contributes at the major league level, we'll see. Uh, he's on an incentive-laden deal, and he's playing for his next contract. So one would have to assume he's extra motivated. But, again, we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes to fruition there. We also heard that Jed Lowry is um, expected to make meaningful appearances this spring. That's what Brody Van Wagenen told the Mets uh, media corps on Wednesday. You know, it, let's just hypothetically say that Cespedes and Lowry are both healthy. Um, this solidifies the Mets bench to no end, right? Yeah. Um, I'm especially worried about what those two guys can do in the field, um, considering, I mean, everyone knows what happened to Cespedes, uh, his lower half, um, you know, over the last couple of years. And, and Jed Lowry did, uh, did not play the field uh, at all last year in the major leagues. So um, we know Yoannis Cespedes can roll out of bed tomorrow and, and hit 450-foot bombs. Um, whether he's an impact player on both sides of the ball, with what we know him as, he was a former Gold Glove winner, and, and Jed Lowry him as a versatile infielder, can, can play a bunch of different spots. Um, I think that's really what's more crucial. Um you know, you're going to have these holes. You, 
not holes, but spots that you need to plug in. Um, and if those guys are, are not 100% or they're, you know, offense only guys, then it, it kind of is going to hamper the, 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 thing, the versatility. So, um, from Lowry's perspective, I'm not, not going into 2020 with any expectations, um, considering oh, yeah. la- last year was an absolute zero. And if, uh, if they can bring, uh, someone else in, I know, uh, Brock Holt's name was, was floated this morning on Twitter. Um, someone else in to, to fill that role. I think, uh, you kind of explore that and, and monitor the, the trade market and see what you can do to, to maybe move Lowry. Um, but anything he, he does provide you is, is certainly a positive. Oh, sure. And I think you hit it on the nose where you, you really can't set, set many expectations for either of these guys. Uh, if they can contribute, great. If they do contribute and, and can be there as, um, you know, capable, albeit very expensive role players, uh, you know, it is what it is. Now, I guess trade rumors have picked up in the past few days regarding uh, the Mets and the Pirates speaking about Star- uh, Starling Marte. Um, Hector Gomez, uh, I guess, spoke uh, a few days ago, mentioned that trade trade talks had, had picked up. Um, are, are you believing the, the reignited traction, and do you think that Marte is a good fit for the roster? I, I mean, I certainly think they could uh, benefit from another big bat in the middle of the lineup. Um, defensively, uh, I'm a little worried if he still has it. Um, I think the numbers have been about average um, over the last few years. He's certainly not, uh, you know, a five-tool star player that he was uh, a few years ago. Um, But I don't really see it happening. Of course, Brady Van Wagenen is one to never one to uh, to uh, rule anything out. Certainly, Uh, kind of scared of what the package would be. He's still a very capable above-average major leaguer, and, and, and the Pirates are a, and obviously a, a rebuilding team. So, um, whatever uh, um, you know, little star power the Mets potential star power the Mets have in their minor league system, um, I can certainly see that going the other way uh, to Pittsburgh, and uh, you know, comes down to that or bolstering the major league roster that's already pretty good on the offensive side. I mean, I, I, I think this lineup stacks up with, with uh, most other teams in the National League. I, I'm not sure if that's a move I'm willing to make. Oh, I agree. Um, I know I, I said it in a piece for MMO last week. If the price is right, sure, this is a move that, that does a lot for this roster. Um, but, again, Brody <laughs> – this might it's not a deep system, but there are some gems and to move away or move on from those gems for what amounts to probably a one year rental, maybe that option year gets picked up uh in Marte. It's just it, it feels like Ben Sherrington um is, you know, he has his fork and his knife out, he's ready to go. Like uh it really, if Brody wants to jump into that pool, he's really got to tread lightly. And um, I just, you know, I'd love to see Marte, but I do not want to see Van Wagenen get taken for a, a top prospect. Like someone like Jimenez, 
uh, I guess ideally before the new rankings came out, but um, someone like Jimenez who finished off the season so hot and absolutely was scorching in Arizona. Um, there is a log jam here and maybe he would fit, but, uh, or uh, at least be a, a piece in the trade. Um, I know I also mentioned Lowry is a possibly possible piece in there, but I guess Andrew kind of talked me down off of that, and <laughs> I see the error of my ways. Who's going to actually pick up Lowry at this point unless they're just going to uh, – just to make the money work. But you, you really have to wonder – because there are holes on this roster, and you can go a direct, in any direction right now. Um, I, with the addition of Rene Rivera, you know, are you comfortable – with Ramos and a combination of Rivera or Nito, do you think the Mets should still be out there looking for a catcher? I mean, they have so many different ways they can go. Uh, very little, well, I guess, presumably little funds to spend. You have to kind of wonder what's next. Is anything next? But I'm sorry, but I got ahead of myself. Back, back to the catcher. Do you think that triumvirate is the is what this this roster is going into the season with? I mean, you know, there's. The, the the market for veteran backup catchers has has kind of dried out. Um, I there's certainly a, a scenario that is very likely where um, Ramos, Nito, and Rivera is the extent of the um, you know catchers with major league experience that they go into 2020 with. Um, Rivera, fantastic glove. His bat is just not major league quality at all. Um, I know that's not what you ask of per se of of your backup catcher, uh, but um, you don't really want to be punting a, a lineup position. Um, however, often he he does get to play. Um, it, it would be interesting a situation in which they take all three catchers on the roster. Obviously, with the twenty six men, um, with that twenty six guy having to be a a position player because you're capped at your your uh, your thirteen pitchers. So. Um, you know, in terms of Nito, uh, I'm kind of optimistic about what he shows in 2020. I think he's disappointed with how he's performed um, recently. Um, obviously, a good glove, we know that. He's, he's showed it at the major league level in addition to, to throughout his time in the minors. And um, I think he's to uh, to improve um, coming into this season out of option. So he's going to kind of force the Mets' hand anyway. Um but, yeah, it's uh, not looking too likely that another name is added to the mix. Um, Ali Sanchez is another internal guy that's on the 40 now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't really see anything else happening um, at that position. And in terms of the rest of the roster, you know, it's the, the holes are, are the, the, the edges. You know, the, the, the core is, is clear. Um, they produced two all-star position players last year. Um, Michael Conforto um, has a chance to be a third. Um, you know, Brandon Nimmo, it went healthy. Obviously, we saw he was one of the best hitters in the National League. Um, and, and Robinson Cano, if he's um, second half 2019 Robinson Cano for an entire season, he's obviously going to provide a lot of uh, a lot of great thump to the lineup. So, um, you know, the holes are, are the, the marginal guys, the, the backup middle infielder. Is Luis Guillorme the best guy for that job? Probably not. Um, is the, 
uh, back ends of the bullpen solidified. You'd probably have room to, to add one or two more names um, to, to really make this team a contender. So we'll see. There's obviously still time, uh, uh, you know, before, before the season starts. But um, like we, we said earlier, the, the names are kind of drying up. I guess on the catcher market, I'm still holding out hope that um, something can be worked out for Russell Martin. I mean, Mike Mayer were having a, a quick back and forth on Twitter the other day. I I think that it's possible that Martin can be had on a minor league deal with incentives. Um, however unlikely that might be, I, I'm still holding out hope because I think he'd be a perfect fit for this roster. I know we spoke about this a little bit uh, on the show last week. Um, Luis Guillorme, you brought him up. He he feels like the forgotten man. Uh, he's really he's never gotten that that chance. I think that you know that's what like you mentioned before that twenty sixth roster spot can really be used so many ways. Um, I'd love to see Luis Guillorme get more opportunities. Where he's going to play, that's to be you know to be determined. But he's got a nice glove. Um, he. <laughs> Yeah, he might not show the power that he showed at times when he was up at the end of last year, but you know he's going to put the ball in play. That's that's his game. Uh, I'd really like to see him get more of a chance, and I think a core player that might get overlooked or has been overlooked, and I think a lot of folks might be uh, viewing his his really really was a breakout season. I'm at Rosario. Um, I think people looking at his his breakout is kind of unsustainable. Uh, and that's that's fair. He still has to prove that he can, you know, hold that type of success, uh, keep it going for a, uh, an extended period of time. But someone like Rosario, who clearly puts in all the work, and he's still so young, and he has, uh, you know, he's still working with Cano, which he said last season was a dream. I'm really expecting another uh, a big step forward from him again this season. Uh, he knows he's got Mauricio and Jimenez, you know, nipping at his heels, you have to um, you have to think that he's going to come in trying to really build off of that strong second half. Um, are, are you going? Are you buying or selling another step forward for uh, for Ahmed Rosario? One hundred percent buying. Um, you know, uh, we we heard from his minor league career about the tools and the glove and. Um, just the, the bat that, um, you know, some scouts that, that saw him as a, as a young teenager in the, in the Dominican Republic said they'd never seen a bat like, um, you know, highly rated prospect coming up. Um, it takes time for these guys to, to fully mature in the major leagues and they go through struggles and they, they have to work through them. And, um, it's unfair to expect everyone to be Pete Alonso coming up and hitting, you know, a, a record number of home runs in their first season. Um, guys struggle. Um, and Rosario clearly did. Um, and he's only been motivated to work harder. And it, it showed. It, it paid off in the, uh, in the second half last season. Um, and, and, you know, we've talked about the, the nitty gritty numbers in the past, but every, everything was really trending up. Um, you know, specifically the, the, the chase rates and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm excited, and obviously we know we know his potential, um, and and it really looks like it's it's starting to be re- starting to be realized, and that's the key word, starting to, um, because he's obviously not there yet. Uh, but you know, I think working with Cano and um, 
having Rojas as his manager this year. He had him in the minor leagues when um, when he was in St. Lucie uh, and Binghamton. So uh, that that should only be a, a positive for him. I guess the work with Gary DeSarcina really paid off as well. And I, you really did a, an excellent little deep dive for Metzmerized on um, infield outs above average. And we really got to, I guess, take a deeper look into Ahmed Rosario's um, progress as the season wore on. Uh, I guess the, the shifting and the first step and the, not even the shifting, I should say the first step, the instincts, the shading, stuff like that, where he was working on with D-Star, seen it throughout the year. It really looked like it was, um, it paid off. Uh, if his fielding can continue to get better and his bat, you know, stays on this trajectory, you know, we could be looking at a solid, solid player. And, you know, I, I made a, a, a stretch earlier in the off season that, you know, there's no saying that in five years when Ahmad Rosario is uh, Ahmed Rosario is um, Francisco Lindor's uh, current age in, in a few years. Uh, there's, you know, of course the power is probably not going to be there, but there's no saying that he can't be an all-star level shortstop uh, with the tools that he has. And just to reiterate what we were saying, I'm really very excited for his year. Um, uh Oh, darn. There was something on the tip of my tongue, and now I forgot it. Oh, well. Jacob, did you happen to see the uh, Padres and the Red Sox uh, reportedly discussing a trade for Mookie Betts? Dennis Lynn of The Athletic reported it maybe about an hour before we started recording. Uh, eyes emoji. <laughs> that, that's that's my response to that. Um, I think they, uh, they summarized that a deal is probably unlikely. Probably. Um, but... But could you imagine Mookie Betts and Manny Machado in the same lineup? I could, and it, you know that's it's it's exciting. <laughs> and you know, if anyone's going to be able to pull off that deal and have the assets to do it, and the Will Myers to kind of make the money work, it's the Padres. Um, I, you know, unlikely is everything's unlikely until it happens. But and I'm not getting my hopes up. You know, I got a soft spot for the Padres, but. Uh, boy, that that would be such a uh, you know diving in with both feet move, man. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's kind of sad that his uh, his contract situation has has come to the point where the Red Sox have been um, not so quiet in, in their their uh, desire to to move him. Um, you know, if they can't come to to terms on a long term deal, um, but we'll see. Um, it, it, I would say it's definitely good for baseball if the Padres have a good young team, and it certainly looks like they're kind of trending that way with um, Tatis and Paddock, and you know, you know as well as anyone. Yeah, I think Zach Davies is going to have a nice year for them, but that's my. Uh, I wrote that one on the wall. That's my. That's my going long pick. Um, I think that might be it. Oh. Do you trade away the farm for Nolan Arenado if that deal is on the table for the Mets? That's what we're going to finish up with. As unlikely as that deal is, you just give away whatever they want for Arenado? Or yes. do you, like, do you calculate? <laughs> yes. Short answer, that's, that's all we need. Yeah, that's it. That's it. He, he, uh, he's a generational player. Yeah. Cores, like, cores or not, I, I don't care. Yeah. You, you send in McNeil? You send in Alonso? You send in whoever they want? Whew. Um, wow. 
it probably stops at at Alonzo plus um, McNeil, Mauricio, Allen. Yeah, I'd probably have to pull the trigger even even then. Yeah. But yeah, it probably <laughs> stops. It probably stops at Alonzo. But yeah, any, anything else, have at it. <laughs> Oh, you'd have to think Nimmo would be a target. He's a, you know, he's a somewhat local local kid. He's a, he was a Rockies fan growing up. Uh, yeah. You think he'd have to be a, a target there? And boy, imagine his bat up in the mountains. That would be a, that would be fun. <laughs> but yeah, as unlikely as that is, I mean, hey Brody, if you want to get the fan base riled up, yeah, go trade for Nolan Arenado. Yeah, for sure. Oh my goodness! That that's that's the air. That's the David Wright air we all need at third base. Yeah, you know, I mean, if Judy uh, Davis uh, gets that club <laughs> up, I mean, you know, I'm I, I'm starting to swing a little more towards the JD Davis train side of things. Um, you know, once his Statcast defense numbers came out and, and started to shine him in a a little prettier light. Um, still want want to see it for for an entire season, but um, yeah, yeah, it'll no, be it'll be interesting what he brings. Oh, for sure, and it's room for improvement on the fielding side. I think his bat has superstar potential, no doubt. Um, but yeah, you just got to find a spot for him to play. And even at this point, if you can get him consistent bats at bats off the bench, even if it's one at bat a night as a pinch hitter. It's going to make a difference. It's going to have an impact because his bat is that potent. I mean, sure, sure. the exit ah, we can we can take this conversation on another tangent, but we won't. I wrap it up. We're going to be back next week, folks. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a little bit more to discuss as far as uh, as we get closer to spring training. I should say, uh, Jacob. Anything coming out on your end, bud? Well, I think. You know, everyone should certainly keep their eyes out for our uh, mesmerized top top thirty prospect list. Um, we've been working on that recently, and we're working on um, getting all the pieces together, um, and, and that'll be coming out soon. Hopefully, as soon as as this upcoming week. Um, that that's certainly one of our um, big big pieces that that we put together every year, and um, had a, a big crew over at uh, metsminers.net working on. Um, so that should be a lot of fun, and, and I know a lot of people have been waiting for it as, as the other um, mainstream sites start to roll their list. No, it's that time of year. and Oh, certainly. It's one of the highlights of the offseason, man. And I, I don't just say that because I'm part of the team, but um, really, you guys have such a, a great finger on the pulse of, of this system, and uh, it's always cool insight. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Jacob, anything else? I think we touched on everything, right? Um, yeah, except, uh, Uh-oh. do you want to talk about Marcus Stroman? I do. I do want to talk about Marcus Stroman. Thank you for reminding me. Let's um, do it real quick. <laughs> real quick. All right. So on Thursday, um, the, the fantastic Matt Brownstein of, um, of Mets Marized, him and Marcus Stroman of the Mets had a nice little exchange on Twitter. Uh, Matt, of course, does excellent research and he picked up, I guess, how effective Stroman's cutter was with two strikes um, and how it gradually got better throughout the season. Marcus Stroman down the line, a couple of replies later actually expanded on that. He was talking about here. You know what? I have the quote right here. Let me go ahead and pull that up. I guess uh, once he got to the Mets, he found a way to control 
his cutter. And it, the way he worded it was outstanding. This is, I'm going to quote, I figured out how to manipulate my cutter to make it bigger or smaller whenever I want. Didn't find that until I was with the Mets. Can't wait to attack the zone with a steady mix. So I did a little digging once these quotes came out and I got home from work. When he was with Toronto, his cutter was getting absolutely slammed. 355 batting average against, only a 10% strikeout rate. Um, actually, he had a decent hard hit and barrel numbers on it. He wasn't really getting hit, which kind of flip-flopped once he came to the Mets. But on the whole, it was just a so much more effective pitch for him. Uh, over 11 starts, uh, 303 offerings. Batters hit just 217 against his cutter with a 464 slugging. And he struck out 30%. It was a 30, I'm sorry, I should say it registered a 32% strikeout rate. That's a, that's a weapon, man. And I, I, I was about to say bona fide, but that was my title for the Metzmerized title article tonight. So <laughs> I'll find a different, different word there. But it's really just impressive. I mean, his, his slider uh, is another just a, a strong, strong piece of his arsenal. Um, Again, for during his time with the Mets, he held hitters to a 172 batting average against, and that's been pretty much a consistent. He's been in that consistent area with his slider for a long time. If he were to use his cutter and his slider a little more, I guess consistently, not at his, as his because he uses his sinker as his that's his number one pitch. But his sinker got beat up pretty well last year, especially once he got to the Mets. Um, if he would rely on his secondary pitches a little bit more. I think it would kind of open up the doors for his sinker because he has elite spin rate on it. Um, Not elite. I should say above average, well above average, 75th percentile. Um, The RPMs on it, the spin, I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me spin that back, actually. Uh, The spin rate on his sinker is 79th in all of baseball. So it's certainly a weapon. I just think that hitters are possibly waiting on it, Um, maybe location issues. But as far as expanding that cutter, you know, it, it's it's in the similar velocity area as his sinker, and he's able to use it. I, I put up some images on Twitter. I know I know I can't show them here, but um, it, he was really able to tunnel. I, I guess break out of his tunnel as far as getting his cutter where he wanted to go. He could put a big bend on. He could put a little bend on it. He could keep it very tight. And you could see by the images he spread it all over the plate. Um, I really, I just think this is such a weapon, and it'd be so beneficial in keeping hitters off balance. I, I'm really, I'm looking forward to this opening the door for him. But um, I, yeah, I'm just really excited for Marcus Stroman being a Met. I, I don't, you know, this is he's an exciting player. He's he rallies the fan base. He mixes it up on Twitter, and he's got the, you know, he's got the tools to to back it up. And this is, uh, I, I'm excited for Marcus Stroman. That, that's my little piece. And the one comment I'll make there, and I find it kind of interesting, um, we were talking about his increased cutter usage and effectiveness. I really don't think that's a coincidence because I know we talked um, about two months ago when the Mets brought Brad Brack back um, into the fold yes. and they re-signed him um, about how his cutter usage exploded. And I have the... When he was with the Cubs, uh, you know, from April through July, he threw his cutter 1.2% of the time. He threw it nine times in almost 800 total pitches. Came to the Mets, he threw it 32% of the time. Just a ridiculous explosion. So I don't think that 
Um, Strowman's increased cutter effectiveness really was any coincidence. Um, and whether that was Phil Regan's doing or Jeremy Accardo's doing, um, I certainly hope it was Accardo, not no slight on Phil Regan, but Accardo will be with the team every day this year. Um, so if, if that was the person who helped, um, you know, Strowman and Brack, uh, unlock this pitch, um, you know, hopefully going forward, they'll, they'll continue to rely on that. Um, so. Yeah, you know, all your points on Stroman are, are certainly valid, and I think having him for an entire season um, and, and getting him a, a fresh, clean slate, um, because obviously he was very good in September, up and down in August. Um, and, you know, this is his platform year. He'll he'll be looking for a new contract in, in 2021. Um, so only, only expecting good things from Stroman as uh, a presumptive number three starter. Yeah, and I guess, in, you know, in a perfect world um, – None of us wanted to see Zach Wheeler, quote unquote, replace uh, Marcus Stroman. You know, replace Zach Wheeler, which is effectively what happened. But uh, bringing in Porcello, I think that still has a high side. I'm looking forward to this rotation kind of um, competing against themselves. You know, everyone we've seen it in the past in Queens. You know, once these guys start going and once everyone's kind of hitting on all cylinders. You see guys trying to one-up each other, and that's a cool thing. You saw it in the Harvey days. You saw it, um, you know, when this core was young, when the DeGroms and the Matzes and the Harveys and the Wheelers were were younger players and just trying to make a name for themselves. They kind of made it um, – they, they made it exciting just trying to outdo each other. And I really – there's enough talent on this rotation that I kind of see that happening again. And I think Porcello's veteran leadership anchoring the back is going to be a great thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm very, very excited. <laughs> you can, I'm always excited about the Mets, but I don't know what it is. I'm a little extra, a little extra excited this year. I'm with you, man. All right. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Folks, you know where to find us, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, run down the whole list. Um, of course, if you enjoy the show, um, be so kind as to leave a five-star review, subscribe, uh, what have you. Um, you guys know where to find Jacob on Twitter, Jacob Resnick. I'm Timothy R. Ryder on Twitter. Um, of course, keep on checking out Metsmerized, Mets Miners. As Jacob mentioned, we'll have our um, Mets Miners, I believe our whole, the, the segment starts tomorrow, on Friday. It will be today because the, the pod is coming out Friday morning. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Jacob, again, thanks so much for coming on. Everybody, we'll talk to you next time. Let's go, Mets. Let's go!